0: had the opportunity to preach there, and uh, it, it was great, but I missed you uh, while I was gone. This morning, we're going to be back in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 22 through 34. I believe last week, we started our series on anxiety, and then this week, we're going to continue on with that series. We're going to see Jesus himself address anxiety. It's not a new phenomenon. This is evident from the reality that Jesus, to his disciples, 2,000 years ago, addresses this with us. He addresses it with his disciples. And really, it's probably as old as Genesis 3, in the garden, where Adam and Eve sin and they hide from God. They were ashamed of the things they had done. And so anxiety is, if you're in here struggling this morning with some sort of anxiety... Rest assured you are not alone. The New York Times said that anxiety is now the most common mental illness in America. Over 40 million adults this doesn't account anybody under 18 years old, only adults have some sort of anxiety disorder, over 40 million. This was um, a number that came out towards the beginning of the pandemic, and I believe it's probably only continued to grow since the pandemic has continued, as as we think about questions like our mortality, where we turn on the news and we see all the bickering and fighting and all the things that go on in our day and age. I think anxiety, every single one of us in this room, to one degree or another, will experience. Now, this morning... Uh, I don't want to tell you that my sermon is going to give you a three-step process to fight your anxiety. It's not a three-step process to cure you of your anxiety. I don't believe that's the goal of our passage. I don't believe that's the goal of Luke in writing this book. Matter of fact, if you think back to Luke chapter 1, Luke tells us that he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. And he's writing this orderly account, tells us in verse 4, That you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught concerning Jesus Christ. And so this portion of scripture is so that we may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught, concerning the grace of God, concerning the good news of the gospel. Anxiety is simply misplaced trust. It's misplaced confidence in a person, in a place, in a thing, in a situation, or it's no trust at all. That's what anxiety is. The antithesis of anxiety, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, is a trust in Christ. So anxiety is a result of a misplaced trust. The antithesis of that is our trust in Christ. And so as we turn to Luke's gospel, this good news for us this morning, let's come again to this part of God's Word, this part of Scripture with anticipation, with hunger, with an excitement again this morning. I'm going to read for us, then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump right in. Starting in verse 22, Luke chapter 12. says this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body, more than clothing. Consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life, to the span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that? Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies or the flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat. Or what you were to drink nor be worried for the all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them instead seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to the needy provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail 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 where you're where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father God, I admit um, I come to your word distracted. But God, I come to your word hungry. And Lord, I just pray that this morning that you would once again be seen. That we would see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the grace that you have for us here in this passage. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes circumstances can feel bigger than God, circumstances of life, sometimes those things to us feel bigger. God is. That's true of uh, Dr. Helen Rosevere. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a young lady from England. She went to medical school, and when she was in medical school, God radically transformed her life. She became a Christian. She went on to graduate medical school, become a doctor, and then she went on from there to become a medical missionary in the Congo of Africa. Uh, it, it was there in the Congo that she had the opportunity to, to build hospitals and these kind of training facilities to help train nurses and doctors to kind of do the work of medicine there in Africa. Well, early on in her ministry, she experienced this reality that sometimes circumstances can feel bigger than God. She tells a story of her being called into a, a, a young woman one night who was in labor she was prematurely in labor, and Dr. Rosevere said despite her best efforts, she was unable to save this young woman, but they were able to deliver a premature infant baby. She would go on to order that that premature infant baby uh, be given an incubator because the cold nights of that time and the fact that this young child was very fragile. And as you know, as many of you know, uh, young children need an incubator to stay warm. It's vital to their life at their earliest days. And so she orders for this makeshift incubator. And basically, where they were at in this time, they had to basically take two hot water bottles, wrap them up with a towel, and they would put them in a box, and that would be the incubator for this little baby. Well, as the nurses is going, and they're warming up these hot water bottles, an explosion happens. The hot water bottles explode, and they don't have them anymore. The nurses tell Dr. Rosevear, we don't have the incubator anymore. And Dr. Rosevear knew what that meant. This means almost certain death for this little one. And so Dr. Rosevear did the only thing that she knew how to do, and that was to pray. She called several of the children together, and they all began to pray for this little premature infant. And that's when she tells a story about this young girl named Rose. Dr. Rosevear said, I had no ...thought that God was going to listen to our prayers. But listen to Rose's prayer. This is what Rose said in her prayer. Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That little infant had a sister and they had both just lost their mother. And that was the prayer of Rose. Again, Dr. Rosevear never believed that God was going to provide those hot water bottles. But later on that day when a parcel, a package arrived, she couldn't believe it. She was so scared she could not even open it up. And so she gets the package and she calls back all of those children together. And they open up that package together and she reaches inside. And what do you know? The hot water bottles that she needed. And that's when little Rose comes running up, and Rose says, hey, if, they, if God provided those hot water bottles, he must have provided the dolly as well. And she goes scurrying through the box, and there in the bottom of the box was the little doll as well. It's an amazing story about God answering prayer. But it's not even the most amazing part of that story. Because as Dr. Rosevere tells this story, she also tells this reality, that that box originated in England, in these times it took a very long time for things to travel overseas. It took that box five months to get from England to where they were before Dr. Rosevere ever knew this woman, before she ever knew of this baby, before she ever knew of any of these problems five months earlier, God had already set into action a plan to provide for that little baby. Do you trust this morning that God can take care of you? Even in life's heaviest circumstances, even in the most unthinkable things happen, do you really believe that God can take care of you? This morning, I have one simple truth for us, and it's this. It's trust the Lord with everything, because he does. He cares for you. Trust him with everything, everything in your life, because he cares for you. So many of us believe that Christ died for our sins. He reconciled us to God. But we live our day-to-day lives as though he's too busy to take care of me now. He's too busy. He's got so much going on. The circumstances of life are bigger than God is the way we feel. We would never say that, but that's the way we feel. So many of us don't give generously. And I don't think we are this way as a church, so let me just... Be clear. But so many churches don't give generously. They're not generous churches. Um, they're, they're fearful of giving their money away. So many young people today, they don't trust God in relationships. They date around. They date non-Christians. They date mediocre Christians. So many people today don't live by faith. They don't share the good news of Jesus Christ. So many people today are 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 not living with accountability partners. They don't have somebody holding them accountable for their own areas of weakness, their own blind spots. And why don't we do these things? It's because we really don't believe that God will take care of us. We're really trusting our own way. And all of those things will breed for us is anxiety. That's what we're looking at here today. And so today, again, I want us to trust the Lord with everything Because he cares for you. I want to share three reasons from our passage why we should trust God with every single thing in our lives. First reason is this we should trust God with everything because he knows your cares, your needs, your concerns. He knows you better than you know yourself. Um, Look with me, starting in verse 22. Says this, and he said to his disciples, "Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Let me say that, as to say negatively what I'm saying positively here. Do not be anxious is to say trust the Lord with your life. Okay, do not be anxious is to say negatively trust the Lord with your life. What you will eat, what you will put, uh, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing." And so really he addresses these things that would cause any of us anxiety if we didn't know where it was coming from tomorrow, if we only had one pair of clothing or no pair of clothing, or if we didn't know where our meal would come tomorrow, these things would produce anxiety in any of us. And so he addresses these things, these anxiety or anxious causing things for us. He addresses them generally, really he's addressing all the what ifs of life in our passage. So it's not just what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear, It's what if. God, what if you call me to be single the rest of my life? God, what if I'm working this, what feels like a dead-end job, the rest of my life? He's really addressing all of these things for us that can cause anxiety. And then he gets more specific. He starts in verse 24 to make these arguments. They're arguments from the lesser to the greater. Okay, so you're going to hear language that sounds like this. If I do this for this lesser thing, don't you think I'm going to do that for you as well? It'd be like me saying to my, to my son, Son, I give Madeline food. Don't you think I'm going to give you food as well? The answer would be like, yes, I'm going to feed you as well, son. So starting in verse 24, we see that. It says this, uh, starting with food. It says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them, then he asks this question of how much more value are you than the birds? That's a great question. How much more value are you than the birds? Well, we can answer that question, and I'm going to answer that question in two different ways this morning. One, we can think of Genesis 1. What does Genesis 1 tell us? That God made the animals after their kinds, but he makes you and I, he makes humans after the imago Dei, the image and likeness of Him. Okay, so after making all other things, He creates us in the very image of God. And so He says, if I provide for the birds, don't you think I'm going to provide for the one whom I made in my own image after my own likeness? But the other thing I want to show you is this. Look at verse 22. I want you to notice who He's speaking to here. Who's He talking to? He said to His Disciples. These are people whom Jesus is going to the cross to shed his blood for. These are people who are in the grand scheme of things, in the eternal mind of God, who have been justified, who are going to be sanctified, and who are going to be glorified. These are his sons and daughters, heirs of Christ, as we learn about in Hebrew, or excuse me, in Romans. What is he saying? If I gave you my only son, Jesus, and he shed his blood for your greatest need, your sin, don't you think I'm going to feed you? (coughs) Excuse me. I feed the birds. Don't you think I'm going to feed you as well? That's the first one he says. Starting in verse 25, he gives us the next one. About our lifespan. He says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? <clears throat> all right, this is a big one a single hour. We're all worried about how long we're going to live, right? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour? to his life. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when there was yet none of them. Before there was ever a you, before there was ever a me, in your book, was written every one of them, the days that were written for for me when there was yet none of them. Which of you, by being anxious about their life, can add a single hour to it? It's a rhetorical question. Psalm 139 answers, or excuse me, Psalm 139 answers that none of us. Matter of fact, Uh, We know, based on biology, it really does the opposite, right? I mean, uh, stress hormones trigger the rise in blood sugar, speeds up your heart rate, speeds up your breathing rate over time. It affects your heart, lungs, blood vessels. It affects our sleeping. Anybody ever had a bad night's sleep because of stress? I can tell you I have. Uh, It affects all of these things in us. And so really it does the opposite of that. Again, starting in verse... um, 27, he addresses another one. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, who is Solomon, just the richest person to ever live. Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Then he goes on, in Verse 29. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Several, maybe close to a year ago now, um, I preached a sermon where I used my daughter as an illustration about riding a bike. Um, And I want to remind you of that illustration because I, I taught my daughter at the beginning of COVID, actually, how to ride a bike, which is two years ago now. Um, she had a bike, had training wheels on it. We had some extra time at home. Let's take those training wheels off, and let's figure out how this thing. Well, excuse me. as she's riding this bike, you can kind of see the anxiety, the fear, right? What is she scared of? Oh, I'm going to fall off this thing and, and hit my knee or scrape my knee or break my arm or whatever it is. She's fearful of whatever is the possibility of there. So I'm helping her. trying to help her get her balance point, and we're going, we're going. And she gets frustrated with me because she keeps stopping. And I don't know if you know my daughter in this way or not, but my daughter is so competitive, okay? She wants to, like, if she sees someone else do it, she wants to do it better than that person the very first try. Like, that's just the way she is. And I'll be honest, she got it from me, okay? So that's just the way my daughter is. But here's the truth. Her daddy's right beside her. You and I both know I'm not going to let that little girl fall. I'm literally right there. As soon as she starts to fall, I'm going to catch her. How much more true is it for us? We have a good father who is going to catch us. He is not going to let you fall. He will provide for us. I'm not going to let my daughter fall. How much more the God of this world, the God of all creation, the God who made it all, who spoke it all into existence, the God who gave his only son, Jesus, to die for us, he's going to take care of you. Do you believe it? You're going to trust him again today. You know, so many um, times it's, it's easy to have these, these thoughts, these cares, these worries, and to, to discount them, to not even pray about them. So let me ask you, what are you worried about today? Like, what stresses you out? And are you taking those things to the Lord? Are you begging God to show you Him through whatever that is for you? Or are you doing like so many other people? Are you just pulling up your bootstraps and just going a little harder? Are you just numbing the pain by doing it a little harder or doing something to take your mind off of whatever it is that's producing anxiety in your heart. Brothers and sisters, trust the Lord with everything because He knows your cares. He knows your concerns. He knows your needs. But trust the Lord with everything as well because He has given you a purpose. Trust the Lord with everything because He wants you focused. On eternity. And that's the next thing we'll see here. Starting in verse 30. It says this. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. What are these things? It's the things that we just looked at. It's what do we eat and drink and wear. Uh, all the nations of the world seek after these things. Uh, and look at this. And your Father knows that you need them. But you, my people, you're different. Instead, seek His kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Um, God gives us this mission to seek his kingdom. Where the way Matthew's version of the same story says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Seek first these things. Um, I've talked to our students about uh, this thing I'm going to mention here. Uh, It's keeping the main thing the main thing. But you should always be those who keep the main thing, the main thing. Those who seek first Christ's kingdom. Whether it's uh, in a daily way or a weekly way, we should be people who are constantly recentering ourselves and seeking first His kingdom. Now this is held in contrast to the world. If you look back at verse 29 or 30, it says this, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and God knows that you need them. The world's going to worry about those anxious things. The world's going to worry about what they're eating and what they're drinking and what they're wearing. But you, who have been bought by my blood, you are different. Your mission, and, and by the way, if God is going to put you on mission, don't you think the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills is going to provide you with the equipment and the resources you need to accomplish that mission, including your food? your clothing, and all of those things? The answer is, again, yes. Yes, over and over and over again. But why does Jesus address these things? Because we're sinners. Jesus addresses these things because it's so easy for myself and for each and every single one of us to get distracted, to not seek him first. It's so easy for us to become anxious about these things. These aren't one-offs. Every single day, we have to recenter our lives. The reality is, the more you live for stuff, the more stuff is going to let you down. And it's going to produce an anxiety and an angst in your life. Again, Luke addresses these things, not because it's a one-off, but because it's a default in every single one of us to turn back to the worries of the world. But God has given us what's called the means of grace to recenter us. So let me ask you here. How are you taking advantage of the means of grace in your life? What are those means of grace? Things like the church, God's body, the word, right? Things like prayer. Are these things recentering you? Are these things in your life treasures? Because every single day these things are realigning you because We are like squeaky wheels that constantly need realignment, every single one of us. We need to be constantly refocused, every single one of us, and that's what the means of grace are for. That's what they're designed to do. We don't want you to spend time in God's word because it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. But we want you to spend time in God's word because it's where God visits his people. He visits his people in this church. He visits his people through his word. He realigns us through these sayings. Brothers and sisters, we can trust God because he has given us a good purpose in our lives. He's given us these things to help us reorient ourselves and focus on him. And then the last thing I want to highlight for us is we can trust God in everything because your joy matters. Your joy matters. It's an interesting one for me to say to you today. Because today, my wife's in the hospital. Um, And I didn't know that before I got here today. I didn't wake up and think, my wife's going to the hospital. She just is there. But um, God has a way of doing things in our lives to help us to trust him to help us to honor Him and to produce a joy in Him that would not come any other way. You know, when I was um, growing up, I didn't grow up in a church. Uh, I grew up um, hearing about Christianity, but not actually going to church. And in my view of Christians, I've told this to our students, my view of Christians at the time was, or Christianity really, was that God was a joy robber. That's what I felt like about God. God Christianity, God, God was desi- everything I wanted to do, the Bible said I couldn't do, right? I felt like God was robbing me of my joy. But it wasn't until I got to college till I met some, some believers, some people, and I began to study God's word, and I, and I realized the exact opposite was the truth. that God was out for my joy every other thing, every other thing I was living for at the time was really slowly killing me. It was really slowly robbing me. Look, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. The very kingdom that we are called to seek first. The very kingdom that we are called to keep the main thing the main thing. We're called here now. We're told here now he's going to give us the kingdom. Verse 33 tells us sell your possessions. That doesn't sound very American. Sell your possessions. That's very countercultural. Why would we do such a thing? And give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there is will your heart be also. Brothers and sisters, our joy matters. And here's the whole purpose of this. Here's the whole point. We can trust God with everything because He is our joy. Because we are created to know Him and we were created for another world. You and I can give Him whatever He gives us. We can give it back to Him and say, Lord, we trust You. We want to honor you. We want to know you through whatever this difficult circumstance is because we know that you are the treasure, our great reward. John 17, 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What makes heaven so good? That they know you. That that you are their father. There's nothing better Psalm 63.3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Jesus, because you're better than anything, you're better than everything, my lips will praise you. I want to be vulnerable, as if I haven't already been, um, with you this morning, and I want to tell you about a struggle I've had with anxiety. I used to be a firefighter in Augusta, Georgia. Many of you know that. Uh, for three years, I was a firefighter. Well, as a firefighter, one of the things you don't do is you talk about anxiety. Because as a firefighter, you see a lot of things, you do a lot of things, but you don't talk about your problems. Okay? Well, um, I saw some things and I did some things that forever changed me. And, um, and, and, And I didn't know how to deal with it at the time. I saw people pass away. I saw... Uh, things that I, I just never would have imagined, okay? And, uh, and I let those things kind of build up, so much so that we used to have this tone that's still there. It's a red light that would go off in our fire station, and it would make a sound. And every single time that tone would go off, my body would jump into fight-or-flight mode every single time. Like, my stress went up every single time it would happen because I was thinking about what might come, what I might see. One day I'm driving to go see my sister, who lives outside of Washington, D.C. at the time. And I'm riding somewhere through Virginia, and I start feeling weird. I start feeling real weird. And I pulled off the side of the road, and I ran up and down the road, and I came back, and I got back in my, truck, my car. And I started, I started driving again. I kept feeling weird, and I did it again. I got out and ran. I eventually pulled into a McDonald's parking lot and called 911 because I thought I was dying. I literally thought I was about to orphan my, I only had one child at the time. My, my daughter, I guess not orphan because she has a mom, right? Uh, so not orphan, uh, but uh, leave them without a father is what I thought I was about to do. And I was scared. I literally thought I was going to die. The ambulance pulls up and they start taking my vitals and my blood pressure is like 5 million over 8 million. Um, you know, it's through the roof, and uh, and they ask me what's going on. I tell them, and I said, um, you know, what do you think it is? They said, we think you're having a panic attack. And I said, really? I said, is it going to kill me? They said, no, it's not going to kill you, um, but um, but it means you got some stress going on in your life that you're not dealing with. And I knew that was true. Well, they asked me if I wanted to go to the hospital. I told them no. Um, so I went on up, I didn't want to pay that bill, so I went on up and, and uh, to my sister's house and pretended like everything was okay and came back to Augusta, where I was in seminary at the time, and I started having panic attacks about once a week for the next six months. And as a good Christian, you know what I did? I started playing Xbox a lot. Okay, I played so much Xbox, I was getting super good at video games. But why was I playing Xbox? Because I was medicating. Because I didn't want to feel that pain, that anxiety. I did not want to feel those things. And anything that would take my mind and distract me and get me off of that stuff, I was going to do. Until one day, I was sitting in my my car, um, and uh, I was listening to a song. And that song broke me. I was listening to the song in Christ alone. And the, I think it's one of the last lyrics. It says, from life's first cry until final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And I thought about it. And I thought about how I'd been running from God and how I'd been so fearful that I was about to leave my wife and kids as a you know someone who just died. Um, that I said, Lord, I need help. And I got some brothers in my life that I was finally able to open up to, and I was just honest with the Lord for the first time ever. I said, God, you know, I hate this feeling. And every time this feeling comes, it is the most scary thing I've ever ha- had to deal with in my whole life. But God, if you want to give me a panic attack every single day for the rest of my life, for your glory, praise your name. So be it, because one day with you, Lord, is better than a thousand elsewhere. The Lord, through that time, revealed himself to me in ways that I'd never known him before. He became a treasure to me in ways that I'd never experienced. And I had a a growing compassion for people that I'd never experienced before as well. So, brothers and sisters, just in finishing, I just want to say... If the Lord is your treasure, you can trust Him in everything and in all circumstances. And it will produce a joy in your life, even in the hardest things, even in the things that you weren't expecting the day to get up to preach. To be a doorkeeper in the courts of God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do you really believe God's going to take care of you? Let's pray. Father, it's it's easy to to say we trust you. God, it's so easy to say, oh yeah, I trust Jesus. But it's so difficult when trusting you means not getting what we want. It's so difficult, Lord, to trust you when, um, when trusting you means loss in some earthly way for us or it means going through circumstances God that no one wants to go through but Lord I'm here to say this morning that everything in life that can produce anxiety and everything can Lord all of those things are just misplaced trust in the one who made us and so Lord help us to be a church to be a body to be a people who would trust you with whatever it is, to be a body that would point each other, even when we're having difficulty, God, that would point each other towards you and remind each other of the treasure that we have in you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond together with our hymn of response. His